The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we'll be speaking with a friend of mine, Robert McPhee. Robert is founder and president of HeartSet Incorporated. He's a founding member of the Transformational Leadership Council and most recently an author of a wonderful book called Manifesting for Non-Gurus, How to Quickly and Easily Attract Results. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. So tell us, where are you today? I am in what should be sunny Southern California, but today it's cloudy California. So Oh, unusual, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really blessed to live here in San Diego, so you won't get too many complaints from me on that. <laughs> well, that is nice. Close to nature, close to the Pacific. Very cool. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about um, your book and talk about what got you there. I have to tell you that the title, Manifesting for Non-Gurus, um, just made me giggle out loud. I just thought, how cool is this? <laughs> because I, I, th- I often think... I do, and I know other people do associate the word manifesting with something mystical and magical. Right. And, of course, the guru has all the magical powers. And um, So tell us where this came from. Well, it's interesting, and uh, it's particularly interesting to me to hear you say that you're, you responded to it the way that you did, because when I first came up with that title, I had very little attachment to it. I really didn't think it would last, because to me it was, it was almost too silly. But the more I talked with people about it, the more I shared it with people, the more it really resonated with people. And it's for exactly the reason that you said. It's the combination of the two words, the, the idea of manifesting being this magical concept that, you know, we can wave a magic wand and things will just suddenly happen, and the idea of the non-guru uh, bringing to it that we all are really manifesting every single day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've seen the book, you know that that's really what it's about, is it's not so much about how do, we, how do we learn how to manifest, but it's about how do we direct the manifestation so that it's creating more of the results that we really want in our lives. Um, the non-guru concept also really refers to the fact that I believe very strongly that it's time that we stopped really following other people's lead and start really trusting our own inner guidance and not relying on other people to be telling us what to do and kind of following them blindly. Uh, And that's been another thing that people have really responded well to in terms of the title and the approach of the book. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you're talking about self-empowerment and oftentimes people get stuck in that place of, um, you know, I'm not enough to do fill-in-the-blank, you know, whatever it is, and um, relying on others to get them there or 
have a belief that others are better than they are, so they can do it, but I can't. So mm-hmm. it's really great to hear you saying this. You know, Robert, why do you think that um, we as a society, whether it's here in the U.S. or around the globe, why is this so consistent where people have a, shall we say, a lack of confidence or belief that they can just move through and have whatever they want in life? Well, I think it kind of goes back to kind of the non-guru idea that... that, um we talked about with the title where it's just not that long ago in time that the information and the education that everyday people needed to be able to really create their life the way they want it wasn't available to most people. Mm -hmm. It was available really only to a fraction of the population. And what I observe now is not only has that changed where the information that we really need is available to pretty much all of us. I mean, with the Internet exploding, the, the problem really is now the opposite, in my opinion, where we have too much information. Yeah. So it's just exploded, and there's yeah. so much information available to us that the problem is now the opposite, where we need to sort through and really get down to the core essence. And this is where, you know, you and I were talking before the call about your book and the similarities with mine, and I know right up front you declare that your book is about getting to the essence. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel the same way. Uh, there's a reason why this isn't a 400-page book, that it's really important to just get down to the core of it and sort through all the information that's out there and really get to, the, um, to like I said, the core of it. So I, I think that's the reason behind it. Well, that, you know, it sounds daunting in some ways. Simplicity sounds daunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how how do you sort through? How do you get to the core of it? So tell us a bit about. Um, well, I want to talk about some of the the elements of the process that you you teach people, but I I want to start with this idea about um, making changes because we hear so often and it's almost become a mantra change is hard people resist change um you know people change you know doesn't want to happen i mean we hear all of this we're told all of this we're taught this in many mm-hmm. ways um so what is your perspective on this well i'm a firm believer in the fact that change does not need to be difficult and mm-hmm. um I've had the opportunity, the first thing, whenever I get into this conversation, the first person that I think of is a woman by the name of Jessie Ionello, who I've worked with for years in Jack Canfield's office. And she and I are responsible for the implementation of all of his live events. And these events can get really crazy with the number of people there and co-facilitators and logistics and all that stuff. And she and I years ago just made a decision, kind of made a pact between each other that it doesn't need to be difficult. And we really stick to that. When things get difficult, we look for why they're difficult and we look to make changes. And Mm. working with her and just kind of adopting that mantra, we've really proven that things don't need to be difficult. They can be difficult. We absolutely can make them difficult, but that they don't need to. And the other thing, and it's funny because you kind of led into the question talking about the five steps of our manifesting approach, but one of the things I see people doing all the time and and really creating things being more difficult than they need to be Mm. is by starting with step number two of our five-step process and identifying a goal, identifying something that they want, and then going immediately to step number five of our process, which is getting into action. 
And to me, these are the people that struggle and either don't get the results that they want, or if they do get results, they have to work really hard to get them. And in so many cases, and this is what really breaks my heart, is that the results don't last. And you see people who work so hard <laughs> to create right. a result, and when it doesn't last, it is, it's just heartbreaking on some level. So. Right, right. And that, that is disheartening for people. They will potentially give up or feel that sense of failure, mm-hmm. and that will then inform whether or not they try again or, or how they try again. Right. I would totally agree. And that, and that idea of the willingness to step back up to the plate after things haven't gone the way you would want them to go, you know, at some point, I think it's, it's logical. It's almost like it's a logical response for people yeah. to say, okay, enough of this. <laughs> right. Know, that whole, uh, right. you know, continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result, eventually people get worn down. Well, and that then is where you step in because you're saying don't do it the same way. There's a different way. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't need to be a big complicated thing. Again, you know, you and I talked about simplicity and and we try and keep things as simple as they can possibly be. And what emerged for me, this work for me really emerged in my work with um again with Jack Canfield and people in a year-long coaching program that I was facilitating mm-hmm. for him. And I saw people who were doing what I described about setting a goal and getting into action and staying busy and having the best of intentions and all that, but just either not getting the results they want or not being able to make them last. And I I literally had the opportunity for a period of years to work in this laboratory and identify why that was so. And we picked out three things. In addition to those steps of setting a goal and getting into action, there were three other pieces that always seemed to be there for the people that it was just easy for. And that was that they were really clear about who they were. They had a real strong sense of self. Mm -hmm. They were consistently connected to the emotions and feelings that they really wanted to be experiencing. They They were just in those emotions and feelings on a consistent basis, regardless of circumstances that were going on around them. And they had let go of attachments. They didn't get attached to all the things that we can get ourselves wrapped up in as far as the opinions of other people and needing it to happen now and needing to figure out how and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And those are the people that were manifesting. You know, that whole kind of magical, just the right person called, the results showed up, and I had all the help I needed. And, you know, the ones that drive us crazy sometimes. <laughs> it looks so easy. Um, but it really became very kind of formulaic where we could look at it and say, you know, if people were just cruising right along, we could say, are they clear about who they are? Do they have a clear intention? Are they experiencing those feelings and emotions? Or have they let go of attachments, and are they taking action? And if they were, inevitably, they were just coasting along. The things were happening. They were creating the results they want. The results were lasting. And if they weren't, I could look at one of those five steps, one of those five points, and say, where are they stuck? Is this a person who doesn't know what they really want? Or is this a person who refuses to get into action? Or is this a person who's just so wrapped up in all the feelings and emotions they don't want to be experiencing that they can't get out of it? So um, that's how it all emerged. Well, so and so what I didn't hear you say, which you alluded to earlier, is that in those three elements, being clear about who they are, consistently connected to their emotions and feelings that they want to experience and not attached to outcomes, I didn't hear you say that they 
really knew what their goal was. Well, that's really the intention piece. And with the people, that's the second step of our approach. So it's, it's getting clear about who you are and then deciding your intention. Is what am I intending to attract is what we teach as part of a journaling approach. And to me, that's the goal-setting piece. But it's a very different question than what do you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people are saying, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And even having other people ask them, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And there's something about that question if you just kind of listen to your body and how your body responds to the question, what do you want? There's almost like a shutting down. There's a sense of scarcity and lack around that question. There's something missing. But when we have people look at the question, what am I intending to attract? There's an opening up. There's a sense of possibility. There's a sense of almost powerfulness that emerges. It's very, very different than what do you want. And so that's the, that's the goal-setting piece that comes after looking at who we really are. You know, it's very interesting because I have, over the years, have heard so many people when they are in some level of transition saying things like, people ask me what I want all the time, and if I knew what I wanted, I'd be doing it. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> and so I love that you've reframed this. It's just perfect. You know? It's really powerful for people, and I know you do a lot of work with organizations and with leaders in organizations. Mm-hmm. And this is equally true for organizations. I mean, if you, if you step back and look at it, if you were to say, you know, should an organization get clear about their vision and their purpose before or after they set their goals and set their intentions, well, it seems like a really easy question. But at the same time, if you look at what so many organizations and leaders within organizations do, they do just that. They set their intention. They set their goals. They set their benchmarks without really getting tapped into and clear about the vision and the purpose of the organization. Mm. So lead us through a little bit of this. So, um, you know, you have some specific elements when you focus on the question, who am I? You have those four areas. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, we just did we just did a teleseminar call this morning for a group of people who uh, when the, the first kind of early adopters of our book, we invited them into our teleseminar, and we were just doing a call on this this morning. And we do, we break down the question, who am I, into four different categories. The first part is our core self. It's probably the most kind of esoteric category to really get our hands around. It's our, it's our inner self. It's the part of us that goes beyond our body and our mind and our, our roles and our accomplishments and things like that. But it's who we really are, our core self. And for most people, like we did a little meditation exercise on our call this morning, and I asked some people from the group to share what showed up for them. And for most people, it shows up as an emotion or feeling that they most want to be giving and receiving. So it's really, it's a very kind of deep spiritual kind of approach to who am I. And we follow that up with a couple of different ways that we can express that in terms of the roles that we play and the skills and talents that we have. And then the final piece, the fourth piece, and then this is a huge piece as it relates to manifestation because sometimes people think manifestation is kind of selfish. They think of manifestation Mm -hmm. as it's kind of all about me and what I want. But the way we look at manifestation, there's a critical piece in this who am I question about contribution. 
And when people really get that what they're intending to attract is an alignment with the contribution that they're really here to make, there's something so empowering about that. And again, I think it relates to organizations and to leaders really beautifully in the sense that when a, when a person is working for a company or when a person has started a company and they have a sense of contribution that's yeah. beyond profitability, it's, just, right. it's a different game. It's a totally right. different game. Right, right. Well, and I, it, that's an interesting conversation. I have conversations like that with clients all the time. Um, and when they are part of mission-driven organizations, it's pretty easy for them to um, feel like they are making a difference. When they are um, in, you know, a corporation that um, whose sole focus is about creating um, stockholder value, mm-hmm. um, it's harder for them to connect to that. So we have to work deeply to get them to find where is the connection to, to the contribution that they feel is valuable. Right. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about it doesn't need to be difficult. Right. You said it yourself, it can be easy or it can be difficult. And for people who are just focusing on profitability and bottom line dollars, not that that's not important in business, because you know, in order to do a larger scale of work, uh, in order to to help more people to be more valuable, making it work on that side is really important. But it just seems like the people who are leading with that and not tapped into the vision, the mission, the purpose of the organization, work harder, and in a lot of cases, don't get as good a result or the kind of lasting results that we talked about. Mm. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Robert, we're going to have you talk to us about just how to make it easier. We'll be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back, everyone, to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today my special guest is Robert McPhee, author of Manifesting for Non-Gurus. 
So in the last segment, Robert, we talked about, you know, how people sometimes complicate things and um, the idea of how we make change, how we bring things to life in our our life or in our work, um, you say doesn't have to be difficult. So talk to us a bit about how do we make it easier? Well, the number one thing that comes to mind for me in, in terms of the way I've worked with people with this approach and we really define manifesting as attracting lasting results quickly and easily. So easily is a huge part of really the promise that we make. And the part of our approach that I really zero in on when, when we're, we're trying to make things easier for people is this question of staying connected to feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's probably, like, I consider it the language of manifestation when I look at the law of attraction work, you know, I really believe that the language that we speak out to, to the universe or the field or God or wh- whatever language we want to use, mm-hmm. the, the language that we speak out is really the feelings and emotions that we are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that if we're, if we're experiencing stress and anxiety and concern and worry and things like that, then that's really the request that we're putting out to the universe. And even when we're working hard and trying hard and, you know, staying focused on our goal and in consistent action, if we're in that place of worry and concern and anxiety, it seems that that's what we are always attracting more of. And yet the people who, despite the circumstances around them, consistently are able to stay in a place of joy and abundance and love um, are the ones who seem to attract more of that. So... In this approach that we teach, probably the easiest step to skip over is this one of how does it feel. Hmm. So, you know, we teach people to start with this question of who am I, to set their intention and make sure it's in alignment with who we really are, and then to stop and just say, okay, once I've attracted that intention, once it's already happened, it's done, it's finished, how does that feel? And just allow yourself to really feel the feelings and emotions that you will experience when you're in that ideal relationship, when the company has gone public, when whatever the actual goal or intention is. Mm. And it's so these, so are feeling, these are feelings that you want to experience, that you can actually imagine yourself experiencing. Absolutely. And yeah. in some cases, we have people who will do the first two steps where they identify who they really are and they'll set their intention and they'll ask themselves this question, how will I feel? And something comes up that they don't like. And that's a great time to stop and take another look at your intention because if whatever it is you're intending to attract is going to create feelings and emotions that are not what you want to be feeling, then that's a huge red flag. Because, you know, they say we do, and the reason we do anything is really because of the way that it will make us feel. Right. And at that point, we may be doing something because we think we should or because we think someone else wants us to or whatever kind of external reason. But if we're really focusing and zeroing in our our attention on something that's not going to make us feel the way we want to feel, that's something to take a really good look at. And the idea of making it easier when we really zero in and tap into those feelings and emotions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's where the magic really seems to happen. Mm. So I'm trying to imagine wanting something and then going through this exercise and getting to a place where I feel something that, that either surprises me or I wouldn't want to feel. I'm having trouble imagining what that could be. Do you have an example? 
Well, I think a lot of times it'll happen with people around just strict money goals uh-huh. um, or, or the type of goals. Like we, we see people who take on health goals and weight loss goals because they feel like they're under a lot of pressure to do that. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, you know, weight loss is one where sometimes people um, are either pursuing a health or a weight loss goal because they think they should, because someone else has convinced them that they need to or they have to. Right, right. Or we see people who are pursuing a goal like that because they know it's what's really best for them, but what shows up is how other people will feel when they do that. You know, we see people who are living in an environment filled with unhealthy people, mm-hmm. and they know darn well that if they really zero in and focus on their health, that maybe the response from that environment is not going to be 100% supportive. Mm. So, you know, that might be something where a person could still zero in and say, you know what, this is still really important to me. And, and that shows up with one of the things we look at in letting go of attachments. One of the things people get really attached to is what will other people think. Right. And if I'm not going to pursue my health goal because I'm concerned what someone else might think, this approach can be really helpful to me because it'll get me to zero in more on who I am, what's really important to me, mm-hmm. uh, the contribution that I'm here to make, things like that, which will become more important than, you know, what my sister Sally might think. Right, right. And, and that's so beautiful because people can then move into action being in choice with their eyes wide open. Yes, Absolutely. And, you know, so much of this is really based on choice. Mm. You know, when we ask ourselves these questions, um, it's not so much like we're trying to discover some answer that's out there. It's really about us making choices. I mean, we get to choose who we are. We get get to make those choices. Um, One of the real profound moments for me in this work emerging was when I realized, looking at that question of who am I, that I'm all of these emotions and feelings. You know, the the stress, the anxiety, the worry, that's part of who I am, but that's not the choice I make. If you ask me in this moment, you know, who are you? You know, at your core, you know, your deepest level, who are you? I would tell you that it's pure, unconditional love. Mm. Now, does that mean that I experience pure, unconditional love all day, every day? Not yet. <laughs> Working on that one still. But the, the power of it is, and I think this also goes to your question about ease, is that I will periodically catch myself in a place of stress and anxiety and worry. You know, I'm running two businesses and I've got three kids and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm living in the real world. Sure. But the, the beauty of it is, and I, I love it when it happens with me, I think I love it even more when I see you know, messages or emails from people coming in who are using this approach and saying, I was in this place, I was off track, I was, I was worried, I was anxious, I was whatever, and I remembered who I am. Mm. You know, I remembered, in my case, it would be pure, unconditional love. And if I'm in anxiety or stress or whatever, I can stop and just remember, who am I? And mm-hmm. it's so, so powerful, and it's quick. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, you know, I don't have to go to India, go back to the cave, <laughs> you know, meditate mm. with the guru um, to, to reconnect to who I am. It can be yeah. that simple. Well, you know, you say it's that simple, and yet it takes practice, right? Yes. 
very much so. And what we see with people using our approach is that it starts as what we call a process of inquiry, mm. where people are asking questions and looking for the answers. And I have people who have been working with me on this approach now for over a year. And for most of those people, it's now mostly a set of reminders. Mm. We, we have a companion journal that goes with the book, and we really encourage people to use either our journal or just a regular journal as a way to implement this work. Because in journaling, what we do is we slow down just enough to really let this sink in. You know, this, this whole, you know, we can go through this conversation and we can whiz through it and, you know, I can read my affirmations and I can do mm-hmm. my visualization or whatever, but to really tap into it and connect to it and especially experience those feelings and emotions we were talking about, there's something really powerful about your mind waiting for your hand to catch up while you're writing. And um, so we highly recommend journaling as an approach. You know, um I agree with you. I think journaling is very powerful, and I hear many people say, well, I'm not the journaling type. What does how that do you, mean? How do you t- I don't, well, you know, you know, I hear this a lot. I hear people say, oh, you know, I, I'm just not going to do something like that. It's just not who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you talk to these people? What do you say to them? Well, I think the first thing I would do is kind of explain what I was just talking about, about not so much you should journal or you need to journal or you have to journal or here's your homework. You know, I don't know. That anchors a lot of people into a previous experience. Right. Um, But I would want to explain to people the reason behind journaling for us, Mm -hmm. that it does really create a benchmark so we can kind of measure our results. And more importantly, that it does slow down this process. When I can explain to someone how the mind is going 150 miles an hour, I think everyone can relate to that. And if you sit down and ask yourself a question like, who am I, and write down your answers, it's just a different experience than saying, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, you know. Even for me to explain to you on this call that who I am at my core is unconditional love if I were to write that down, it would probably take me about three or four times longer than to just say it to you. That's true. And in yeah. that three or four times longer, I'm going to be in just those seconds. I'm going to be in that experience of unconditional love. And that's mm-hmm. the value of the journaling process. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So you have um, in the book, um, there's so much, There, there's just so much richness in there. And um, so many things that I pulled out that I want to talk about. But um, one of the things you said, and we're not going in order here, but one of the things you said in the book was that manifesting money was impossible. And I I started laughing because I thought, oh, great, because, you know, probably, you know, uh, 90% of the people who pick up this book are thinking that they can do that. Mm-hmm. And so talk to us about what you mean by that. Well, it was really interesting because when I first started writing the book, it became clear to me really quickly how important it was not that this be a book that people read and found entertaining or and then it ended up on a shelf and if I asked them a month later they wouldn't remember what they had read. It was just it it was it felt so much like a divine gift to mm. me that it just was so compelling that that people needed to really implement what they were what they were learning. And so Part of that was to to create this journaling piece, and there was. I mean, it's 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 hard to describe. It's even. It's even more than that. 
Well, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting that, that I even hear you struggling with it a little bit because um, I think there is a lot of pressure around this whole issue of manifestation and that mm-hmm. people um, really want to... Um, people look for manifesting in terms of things, and one of the first things people gravitate toward is money. Right. You know, manifesting money. And when I read in the book, you know, you said, well, manifesting money is impossible. I was like, drats! So, you know. Well, yeah, and you're right. It, it really is one of the first things that comes to mind for people, and I think when you look at the goals that people are out there setting and the intentions and where we're putting our focus and our, and our attention, a lot of it does have to do with money. And it was really in the first teleseminar that we ever did um, where this issue about manifesting money came up loud and clear. And what we realized was that this whole concept of manifesting, we're really looking at like natural laws. We're looking at the way things work. And when we look at money, money as a concept is really made up. Money is nothing more than a way to measure results. Money is a way to measure an exchange of value. And what we found really quickly was that it is possible to attract value, to manifest value, to manifest resources that will help us create more value. But there, there just wasn't anything out there that I saw where people were directly manifesting money, kind of the, the winning the lottery mentality. Right, right, right. And when we made it a conversation for people about creating value and associating the money with the value, mm-hmm. that's when we saw people get into motion and get into that place of, of quick and easy versus difficult. And it's that right. same idea where, I mean, how many people do we know who have been working on the same money goal for years and years and years? Oh, and sure, yeah. Trying harder and, you know, right. willpower, right. and this time I really mean it. And, yeah. and it's the same thing with health and fitness. You know, the, yeah. the person who's been trying to lose the same 20 pounds mm-hmm. um, for however long. So what we right. saw was not that we haven't had wonderful testimonials of people turning around money situations and really attracting great results that ended up being able to be measured financially. Mm-hmm. But the idea of I'm going to manifest money, is, it's just a disconnect. There, there's a piece missing there. And when people really focus on value, there's a, a hugely magnified result versus focusing on money. Well, and that makes so much sense. And as I think about how this applies to organizations as a whole and how, um, you know, for the last 20 years, the profitability has been king and um, the value of the stock has been um, the driver and how at the same time there's been an inverse effect on employees and Mm -hmm. Do I matter? Do I believe that I add value here? What's my contribution? Is that clear? It's been diminished more and more and more. And so I'm, I'm looking at, you know, if there was a way to get the organization and, of course, the leaders of an organization behind the idea of defining value beyond what the stock price is, mm-hmm. defining value beyond what the profit margin is, um, then some of the culture in the organization might shift 
Do you think that's possible? I think that's absolutely possible, and I think what we've seen in recent years with, you know, kind of the burst of the bubble kind of thing is a profound example of how just focusing on money uh, isn't sustainable. Right. That there's there were so many people who who made a whole bunch of money, but didn't really create any value, and they created a bubble that had to burst. Right. And yet the people who um, kind of are are getting through that and are thriving in spite of that, in my experience, are people who consistently deliver real tangible value. You know, there's always there's always you know sales opportunities and business opportunities for the people that are delivering real tangible value versus, you know, a quick fix or a quick buck or whatever it might be. Right, right. Well said. Well, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to have more from Robert McPhee. Arise from your sleep, Africa. Rise from your sleep, America. This walk to be done, Africa. This walk to be done, America. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversation. We're speaking with Robert McPhee, author of Manifesting for Non-Gurus, How to Quickly and Easily Attract Results. Robert, let's talk a little bit about the quickly part. You know, we're all kind of in a hurry. We want things yesterday. And um, and there, I think there's also that sense of if I don't know how to do it and do it well, I may not do it at all because it may take too long. Mm-hmm. And so... Talk to us about this whole concept of doing it quickly. Well, yeah, and we talked about the promise of manifestation and and kind of the the way that we define manifestation as being attracting lasting results quickly and easily. And we already talked about the concept of easily and how important it is to stay tapped into what's our third step of our approach with feelings and emotions. And we don't want to make any false promises to people in terms of kind of instant results because I agree with you that that is kind of the the, the desire out there in some yeah. cases is for things to happen, you know, instantly. And we do see results showing up really quickly for people sometimes. And uh, we didn't talk about the three clarifying questions that we do underneath um, 
the setting of intentions, but mm-hmm. some, the third question that we added there was, are you ready? Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, it, it literally emerged from the fact that results were showing up so quickly for people that they weren't ready for it. So now when we have people set an intention, we ask them that question and make sure we get a yes before we move forward to make sure they're really ready for that result to show up as, as if it could show up like right now in this moment. And again, not that it always does, but um, the piece that probably has more impact than any on the speed of manifestation is the, the fourth step of our approach, which we call letting go of attachments. And the reason for that is that in so many cases, we work with people that are spending so much of their time and their attention and their mental capacity on things that just don't serve them in attracting their intended results. And we look at it from a couple different angles, kind of like we did with the who am I question. Um, The first thing that really showed up here, and, and I believe it's really the bridge between maintaining a really high attach or, or rather high intention, really maintaining that intention and, and maintaining our focus, but having a low attachment is, is this is where appreciation seems to fit in really mm-hmm. beautifully. I mean anyone I think who's been around this work has talked about the importance of gratitude and appreciation. Right. And for us this it just fits in so perfectly here because if we're able to get clear about who we are and set an intention, set a goal that's really, really in alignment with who we are and really, really important to us, and then we tap into the feeling and emotion and that charges it up even more, we're literally at a point right there of being what I would call at risk of getting attached to like needing to have it now. Hmm. And if at that moment, instead of going into the needing part, we just experience appreciation and gratitude for everything that we have in that area of our life, there's the possibility of maintaining the intention without going into the high attachment, without going into that realm of needing it. And I think everyone's probably been in that place at some point in their life where they've set a goal and it's really important to them and they, they really get the, the feelings and emotions that will come from it. But at the same time, we just know that if it doesn't happen, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a fascinating conversation with my, my daughter is 12 years old and she's a pitcher on a softball team. And she's a really good pitcher. And, and largely because she practices what we're talking about here with detachment. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the umpire makes a bad call or she gives up a hit or, you know, something doesn't go her way. She just kind of goes, okay, whatever, next batter. And there's another girl on her team who, also a very good player, but gets all wound up, you know, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And last weekend I was helping her by teaching her my daughter Lisa's secret. And I told her, you know, Lisa's secret is she just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> And this girl was like, what? Are you kidding me? Lisa, you know, she's, she's one of our best players. She's, you know, she really cares. She really wants to win. I said, yeah, she does. She really wants to win, and she's a great player, and she always does her best. But she knows that at the end of the inning, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter, you know, that her mom and dad still love her, that the son's still going to come up the next day, whatever it might be. And this girl, I could just see a look in her eye. She just got it. She's like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have to care. And she went out and pitched like the best game she's ever pitched because she just let go of that attachment to needing it to go a certain way. So it's, it's that type of thing um, 
that we spend, you know, this girl was spending so much of her time and attention on worrying about what might happen, what did happen in the past, or whatever it might be. And when she let that go, she was able to get a much better result and um, probably certainly in an instant compared to what she was doing before. How fun. I can just imagine the face of that young girl. <laughs> and the, the, funnest, the funnest part for me was during the game, she kept like looking at me in the stands, just like you know, putting her hands up, like, I don't care. You know? <laughs> I gave up a hit. I gave up a walk. My fielders made an error. I don't care. That's funny. That's and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it sounds silly on some level, but if you imagine approaching our day-to-day lives in that way and mm-hmm. just letting go, of the need right. for it to be a certain way. Right. right. Um, and not that she has to be happy about the fact that there was an error or happy about the sure. fact that the umpire made a bad call. But to me, the real question is, is she going to be a better pitcher, you know, a better employee, a better mm-hmm. husband, a better mm-hmm. athlete, whatever it is, by worrying about it or by letting it go? Well, you know that the whole concept of attachment um, is... One, it's my favorite. I really love using it with clients, and and I've practiced it in my life for a long time, and it's sometimes easier than other times. Mm-hmm. But I, And I find that um, sometimes when I'm very attached to something and I keep hitting roadblocks or brick walls or challenges, and I think, what is going on? I, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, or I know this is where I'm supposed to go next, or mm-hmm. what this project is supposed to be about. And if I step back and say, okay, you know, I just will let go of this. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. And almost immediately there will be some indication of something different. Now, it may get me ultimately to where, you know, I think I wanted to go, but it was a different way of getting there, and somehow there's more ease in it, you know, there's more collaboration in it, you know, there's something that is not in the way. Right. And so I just find it fascinating. So it's really important for me in the way that I practice the whole concept of attachment and non-attachment to realize that, you know, even if, you know, where I'm headed is the right place. The way I'm getting there, there may be a different way that I haven't yeah. thought of. And I could hear just in the way you shared that, that when you get to that place and you realize that and you stop and you just open up to the possibility that maybe there are other ways. You know, I call it infinite mm-hmm. possibility. How naive is it for me to think that little old me is going to figure out how. I mean, it's yeah, when you yeah. think about universal intelligence and all, you know, tapping into the the source and you know all these, you know, look at the quantum physics behind it and all. I mean, it's it's naive to think. It's almost comical to think yeah. that you know you and I together are going to figure this thing out. I mean, come on. Right. right. But when I mean, literally, I could just hear it in your voice that letting go, that opening up, that listening instead of talking kind of mentality. That's what accelerates the process, and uh, I use I use a model that you probably saw in the book. It's like an inverted hourglass, where we've got all that possibility, all that information, all those insights and intuition and ideas that are out there, but it's got to come through this little tiny opening to get to me on the other side. Mm-hmm. And if I fill that opening with, you know, I need to figure out how, and I need I'm worried about what other people think, and I need it now, and uh, you know, I need, I need, I need, mm-hmm. I can't hear it. You know, it's, right. all come, it's all ready to come through, 
But I've got so much, uh, I love it, Deepak Chopra calls it inner turbulence. To me, that's <laughs> perfect, perfect language for it. You know, there's so much inner turbulence there that there's not the ability for those ideas, that intuition to come through. Right, right. Well, you talk a bit about inspired action. Tell us what that is. Well, I've got a little bit of a selfish kind of approach to my definition of inspired action because for me the difference between taking action and taking inspired action is to kind of look back over our shoulder. Um, Taking action is the fifth step in our five-step approach. And I believe that if people are taking action, having gotten clear about who they are, having set a very specific intention and gotten clear that it's possible, that it's okay, and that they're ready, that they've tapped into those feelings and emotions and let go of the kind of attachments that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. that they're going to take action from a completely different point of view. It might even be the same action, but they're just going to do it differently. They're not going to have to force themselves to do it. It's not going to be hard work. It's going to be truly inspired action. And to me, it just comes from having kind of laid the foundation. And, I mean, the great news is that to, you know, I told you at the beginning of this call that a lot of people start with our step number two and go straight to this action step. If you really think about how much time it takes to just reflect on who you really are, what your intention is, the feelings and emotions, and, and pay attention to what attachments might be showing up, it doesn't take that much more time. Uh, and you you brought up a good point, too, when you were talking about letting go of attachments, that in a lot of cases, it can be really helpful to get other people's points of view mm-hmm. when it comes to identifying what kind of attachments show up for us, because we can get so wrapped up, we can get so into these attachments that we can't even see them ourselves. So having a coach or having a consultant or uh, having a therapist, whatever it is, that will work with you to help you see what those kind of obstacles and roadblocks that we set up for ourselves are um, is a huge piece of getting over them and getting into that place of uh, having the results show up more quickly. So my guess is that you are um, using this with yourself on a pretty regular basis. I am. That's one of the beauties of teaching it. You know, I can't get on that call this morning and say, well, I have no idea how this works, but good luck. <laughs> no, it really so, is So can you share with us uh, what you're working on these days? Well, what I'm really working on is the launch of the book. Uh, it's kind of ironic. I've been doing this work for about a year and a half, and it all started with writing a book. But as I started to tell you earlier, I I started writing the book, and then we created the journal, and then we were doing a teleseminar series, and we did that a few times, and then I wanted to do it live with people, so we did a live event, and all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, whatever happened to that book? So we stopped and, and finished up the book and, and uh, got it published, and it just arrived uh, the beginning of June. And so now the the big kind of project for us here is getting the word out about the book. And... Um, you know, at the same time, the other thing that really shows up for me when you ask that question in, in terms of implementing this work mm-hmm. is um, what shows up for me at home. Because, and, and I've had, I told you earlier, I had the opportunity for the last 12 years or so to work with Jack Canfield. And yes, with exactly. his work and also with this work that's emerged for me, probably the most profound place that the results show up, and I shared a little bit of that with you with the story about my daughter, is is with my family and and the way um, that it has allowed me to be a different kind of parent than I would have been 
um, had I not been exposed to this kind of work and be, be teaching this kind of work. Because, yeah. like you said, when you put yourself out there as a teacher, it kind of forces you to uh, be accountable to a subtly different level. Like Stephen Covey calls it third-person teaching, where if you're learning something with the intention of teaching it, it just it, it makes you learn it on a different kind of level. So, um, Very, very true. Very true. So I know that you have um, some teleseminars and things um, coming up. We have only a couple of minutes left, so why don't you tell us what's coming up and how people can learn more about you and your work. Well, probably the simplest way, we have a website that anybody who's heard the title of the book a couple of times can pretty easily remember. It's mm-hmm. manifestingfornongurus.com, and really all the information about what we're doing is there. Um, the book is the simplest way to, to take a look at what we're doing, and like I mentioned before, our commitment is really to this not being a book that is entertaining and interesting to people, but really a book that people put into use. So um, we structured it with a companion journal that comes along with it, which is a really easy way to really put it into use. And then for people who are interested in going deeper, we also have a six-week teleseminar series where we do an overview of the approach. And then for five consecutive weeks, we dive deeply into each step of the approach. Mm. And then my favorite thing to do, we did it once last year and we're doing it again this October, is we do a manifesting weekend event. We do a live event where we're able to get together with a group of people face-to-face, one-on-one, and do a lot of experiential, interactive kind of work around this, which uh, is really my favorite thing to do. It's the, the most profound way to really learn something like this. Well, that is fantastic. Robert, I am so pleased that you were here today with us. The book is Manifesting for Non-Gurus, How to Quickly and Easily Attract Lasting Results. And I know you can order it from the website, manifestingfornongurus.com, and I believe it's going to be on Amazon soon. Is that it is going to be on Amazon. We're actually we're, we're doing a, um, a campaign right now where we're going to be launching the book. Um, part of what we're doing with that is um, making some donations to the Boys and Girls Club and to the Pachamama Alliance, just as a mm. uh, charity that's uh, focused on youth. I mean, you heard me talk about kind of the importance of that to me. And yeah. the Pachamama is an al- alliance is another group that I know you're familiar with that's yeah. committed to just making the uh, entire planet a better place to live. And so doing the book launch through our website rather than having it out there uh, in mm-hmm. the traditional channels gives us the opportunity to do something bigger there. And so after we do the, the big launch, uh, which is going to be the end of July, beginning of August, uh, the book will be on Amazon after that. Very good example of you doing the work that aligns with your values, Robert. There you go. It's that contribution piece. There you go. Yeah, I told you I was practicing when I preached. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. We so appreciate it, and uh, we'd love to have you back again and let us know how things are going. Good. Anytime. I appreciate being a guest. Remember, everyone, think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 